for centuries. We've been warned about little green men. Now, they are coming. They're coming for you. Run. But first, shut your windows. Hide your apples. Prepare for the attack of the android. And now, your host and the human leader of the android underground, Matt Lee. Uh, dun, 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 dun. What's up, everybody? It's Tuesday, July 9th, 2013. This is episode 89 of Attack of the Androids. Every week, Tuesday evening, attackoftheandroids.com. Check it out. I'm Matt Lee. Join me this evening. We have Eric Fingenbeener on Skype. What's up, Eric? Not just Skype, the magical Skype. The I'm magic. <laughs> Via the magic of Skype and its magicness and all of its magics. Also, we have Nick Carroll. What's up, Nick? Hey, guys. Glad to be here. Taking a break from the the ccna to join us for for an hour or so here yeah the grind the grind (laughs) how's that been going day and night for three days four days what three days of day and night and the previous two weeks uh, every day after work so yeah (laughs) all of it culminating to this multiple choice (laughs) test (laughs) tomorrow's gonna be awesome i'm either gonna succeed gracefully or die in a blaze of glory (laughs) it's gonna be interesting (laughs) Good deal. Uh, Paranoid Android, Eric, Nexus 4, how is it? Is it as awesome as chat notifications led us to believe? Uh, yeah, no, not really. No? And I, it, <laughs> not quite. it could just be me. <laughs> really? That notification system looked cool. I don't know. There, it, it's Maybe it's just because it was different, right? It wasn't like all of the other notification systems, which were really the same. That's I, I'm pretty sure that's all that it is, is that it, it's different. It's very pretty. Um, the developer did a great job on it. But just the implementation I didn't like. Was it laggy um, or what, was, what didn't you like about it? No, it's, it was mainly the controls. And some of this could be that I'm not doing it right. Um, <laughs> You're doing I would, it right. I would argue a little bit that if, like, if I can't make it work, then how would you expect like anybody else to make it work? Because um, I'm not I, I'm not an idiot. I use Android a lot. I do I do an Android podcast. So right? that's got to count for uh, something. Well, what's what's most confusing is that you you use this. I forget what they Halo. Yeah. So it's called Halo. It's the little circle, and it always sits on the side, just a little bit sticking out. So that's the first problem. And it's um, in between, if it's anything like a Facebook notification, it's like in between your normal icon grid. So if you have your icons here, here, it's in, it's in every, you know, other line. So it's, it's kind of out of place, but it's not covering up anything. Yeah, it's, it's a little out of place. Well, it is covering up some stuff. Like if you're, if you're trying to chat, if you're trying to play a game, like it's in the way, and I found myself every once in a while when I'm trying to do something, I would accidentally, I would accidentally hit it and sometimes swipe it out, which would the way that the way that this can work with some notifications is let's say you get an email and you you swipe out the little halo circle, so it's it's like maybe a slip, not a sliver, but like you know maybe like uh, an eighth of it is sticking out on the side, so you swipe it out and then you tap it and it pops up. Like it's like an overlay, so like Gmail would pop up, not taking over the entire screen, just a little bit of it, and you could scroll through and check your email, which is great if you're 
you know, wanting to actually do that. But when you're trying to get other stuff done on the phone and that keeps happening, it can be a little annoying. Mm. Um, so, I mean, so I shut that off eventually. Once I figured out how to, which that's <laughs> that was the other criticism, is you turn this stuff on and then you're like, holy crap, I have no idea how to get my phone back to, you know, like a more stock Android, you know, looking thing. And like for Halo, like you have to like slide it out and then you have to like double tap it, hold, and then an X will appear and you can drag it to the X like you're deleting a, um, you know, a regular uh, shortcut on your on your uh, home screen. But that I had to Google that. It was not it was not immediately apparent how to actually get rid of it. Um, so Halo shut it off. That was that was done. Um the other cool feature, another cool feature they offer is the Pi controls. Have you guys seen that? I yeah. mess with Pi awesome. in uh, <clears throat> in the latest CM stable, and I just maybe it's because on the Galaxy Nexus it's not a big enough device for it to make sense. I don't like the way the the desktop looks when it's. I don't know. I I did not like it, so I turned it off. What about you, Nick? Yeah, I think it's pretty cool for what I've seen, but it doesn't really match my method of using smartphones. I'm pretty happy with the stock um, you know, buttons, so Is it well, I, because I think I'm there too. It, is it because okay. is it because we've been using this certain way for so long? Like it's it's just it's easier for us to do things this way than it is to like relearn the whole pie control and to remember to like swipe from the left or swipe from down or whatever. I think that's the case for me, and I'm personally more interested in like different wallpapers and icon sets than the actual way of moving around. You know, so. Well, one problem that I found was that it wasn't uh, always responsive. It wouldn't always bring up the Pi controls, even on so, the Nexus Four. Yeah, even on the Nexus Four, because you're like swiping from the bottom, and I like I remember like I was sitting, I was sitting in a uh, in a restaurant, and I. I wanted to like get back to I think like an internet browser or something and I keep swiping from the bottom like 10 times before it actually brought up the pie controls. Um and I I think part of it could be it was sitting on the table and I believe I I have to think the way that it you know the way that it would react sometimes and not react that maybe it's using the accelerometer to determine whether you're holding it in your hand so you don't accidentally open it up. Um but it you know it just that way of navigating wasn't that appealing. It's just like Halo. It's really cool that they're doing it, and I think some people will will like it. Um, but it wasn't for me. Uh, the The big benefit, though, of Pi controls was on the Nexus Four. Like it felt noticeable how much screen real estate you got back by um, by getting rid of like the notification bar at the top and the um, navigation bar at the bottom. It was very noticeable how much screen real estate you got. I'm glad to so, know that it's not just the Galaxy Nexus that was making it all laggy. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, th- those were negatives. Um, there are some. There are some positives. Uh, the opening animation is cool. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Always the uh, the big positives. It's like it's like a little zombie jelly bean, like with its big eyes open. It's kind of just cool. don't let it bite you, and it's all good. Exactly. Um, the they they've implemented the privacy guard feature, the one that we've been talking about the past few shows. Um, 
So I I tested it out on actually on my app pick that I'm going to talk about later, um, where I I went into the app settings and I enabled Privacy Guard, and when I whenever I launch the application, a little notification pops up and says we you know we're actively blocking or sandboxing I forget the term um, this app. So that that was really cool because that was the big feature I was looking for and one of the main reasons I didn't flash the um, Cyanogen mod stable because it doesn't have any of that cool stuff in it yet. But the Nightlies do. The, and... ni- the Nightlies do, but I, I kind of want a little bit more stability. I'm, I, this, is, this is now the only Android device I have until the new Nexus 7s come out eventually, <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm being a little bit more cautious. So, you know, Paranoid Android, a great ROM, and I think it's wonderful. I might flash back to AOSP, though, because the way I'm running it currently, um, aside from Privacy Guard, doesn't really doesn't really take advantage of any of the uh, any of the features that make it Paranoid Android. So, there you go. So you mentioned the Nexus Seven, uh, the new ones coming out. The old one, the prices are getting dropped at Staples. Uh, article for Android Police down to one seventy nine ninety nine for the sixteen gig and one ninety nine for the thirty two gig. Would you get one of these at a lower? I mean, it's really not that much lower. It's like twenty bucks. But would you? Would you go? Oh, no, it's get... much lower than that. What? It's like fifty dollars. Two forty nine was the thirty two gigabyte version. Oh, was it? Mm-hmm. Right, but for the for the sixteen gig, it's only. Oh yeah, you're right. Sorry, but yeah, like, would you? Because the new one's gonna be what? Right around there, right? Maybe twenty to fifty dollars more. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if you're if you're being price conscious, and if you really don't, if you really don't care about it being the fastest, if you don't care about running games on it, and you just want it for reading for browsing etc right. it's a good tablet it's a great still, deal for sure well, i, I love this i i sent the reason i got rid of my nexus 7 was i sent it to my dad as a as like a thank you and you know he's he loves it he he uses it all the time i'm told so were you expecting maybe the nexus 7 to come out sooner than they well haven't yet <laughs> or or what well i think all the rumors have been, have been pointing to um I mean, for months, have been pointing to Ju- July this month as the month that the uh, new Nexus Sevens will launch, um, and I think that makes sense because the uh, the Nexus the original Nexus Seven launched um, wasn't it I O last year? Like the well, the first batch, and then they started shipping in July, so it's right around that year cycle. Yeah, I picked up mine in August and. Uh... I think at this point it's best to wait for the new one rather than rather than get an old one, and they're probably just trying to get rid of the last last bit of stock they have so they can make room for the new ones. I guess I don't know. Isn't there an announcement tomorrow on Wednesday? Uh, I maybe not necessarily anything to do with the Nexus Seven, but Google and Motorola are are doing some announcement. I heard on another show that they are that was going down. Do you think X Phone? Do you think it's that device or the the Droid Ultra or whatever? I, they both? keep they keep denying it, don't they? Well, um, right, but and the guy that that was on on the podcast said it was like embargoed and they couldn't even talk about what was going to be announced. So who knows, right? Not Nexus Seven though. No, probably not. Um, 
the all the all the leaks recently about the 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 ultra I think you you called it out, and then I think there was like the Droid Max. It's not the Droid Razor Max, the Droid Max. Like we've we've seen like a few of these phone leaks. It's possible that this is just that. Um, but if that's the case, then why is Guy Kawasaki sending out like invites to people? It, this seems like a lot. This seems like a lot of work. Like they're making a bigger just, deal out of it than than those devices yeah. would would cater. Exactly, because if they if they played their guy Kawasaki card like for the <laughs> right. Droid Ultra and the Droid Max, they may be idiots. Like if that's so, where the bar gets set, I guess yeah, we won't hold is, our breath for a. You good put that in a press advice. release. R- r- right, you don't right. do a thing. Yeah, this is because this is the thing, right? This is a, a full on event they're having. I don't know. Maybe they're gonna like give Google Glass to everybody. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. Uh, clear pixel camera. What is it? Is that going to be in the uh, the new droid? That's the speculation. Um, and we we really don't know what clear pixel is. The only the only use of it was, I mean, it's used as a marketing term, and it was used by uh, I think it's Taylor Wimbley at Android and Me, um, where I believe one of his sources said that you know, hey, the Moto X phone will have clear pixel so this is um, like the whole ultra pixel on uh what was it the was it the htc one that has that or which which device had that yeah it, it was the htc one i believe um i don't know if it's that like that was the first speculation but i mean a marketing was, gimmick as labeled as like some super pixel type of thing like it, it's just a gimmick name it's not any kind of technology or anything like that that's that's what it's yeah it, it's not it doesn't represent an actual technology at least right. that we know of um, the uh, there was uh, who was a Brian I think Brian Klug uh, from Anantech was was saying that he thinks that ClearPixel actually um, refers to RGB an RGBW filter um, which uh, which they announced um, I think it was Sony Sony might have announced um, a couple of years ago. And the way that the way that this works, and there's there's a little article to to this speculative article is there's a link to the speculative article as well as the TechCrunch article from last year explaining the technology, um, which is that typically you have sensors that detect red, green, and blue, and that's all they detect. And when you take a picture, it uses that to you know create the you know the picture and determine color and things. Um, with RGBW. Um, the W represents white, which is a which is an unfiltered pixel that takes in any wavelength of light or any color. Um, so it's not used to give color to a picture, but it's used to um, like adjust brightness and things like that. Oh, it's like an alpha so, channel then. So you get I was your normal the same thing. Yeah, you you get your red, green, blue, and then you get this extra channel that's alpha brightness contrast or brightness, I guess. Like for yeah. more data, yeah, interesting. So it it almost it's kind of it reminds me, and I, I'm sure it has nothing to do with it of the Pentile display, how it has RGB and then that extra. It's not really an extra pixel, but it's a division of all of the other. Yeah, that, I don't know why it reminds me. Of that. It's, well, no, that's a good point because when I was when I was trying to research this and I found the TechCrunch article, if you search for RGBW, um, you actually come up with 
Pentile RGBW. Is that the so, Kodak thing? They said also there was a patent back uh, in 07 that Kodak did uh, called RGBW. Ah, okay. So that's – sorry. That's what it was. So I think I think Kodak has the and patent. Then, yeah, and then, and Sony, then Sony implemented it. In 2012 implement. Right, right. So someone's making Kodak relevant today. That is awesome. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Kodak haunting from the dead. Yeah, it it makes sense. Uh, Kodak says, would be would be smart to to do this to start doing heavy heavy R and D um, or continue to do it possibly on all this te- all this camera technology um, that could go into phones because that's well, I mean, yeah, that's and the that, future that could eventually be a bigger market than what they were doing initially with all the film stuff. I mean, if everybody gets a smartphone, there's camera tech in all of those smartphones plus uh, whatever wearable computing also has camera tech in it. Like they could really make a, a decent niche for themselves there. Uh, yeah. and, and Brian Kluge says uh, at, the, at the end of the article, he says uh, the point of this is that the uh, Motorola X-Phone and the Droid Ultra, whatever these are, uh, these two devices are likely going to be the first pieces of hardware that have this, uh, the RGBW image sensor in them. And he says the sensors are probably made by Sony, though that's not going to be confirmed until these phones are taken apart. On paper, they should offer better image quality, but as always, you have to get it in your hands and see what it actually does. Pretty yeah, I'm now intrigued by this. <laughs> yeah, kind of interesting. I mean, you still want to go with good lenses and all that. Like, I'd rather have good Carl Zeiss lens and then a good processor and then maybe extra gimmicky stuff, software side, you know. Well, I'll say, I'll relate something from my experience. I was at a wedding a, a couple months ago and I tried, like, heck, to... uh take pictures with really the only thing I had on with me, my cell phone, and this could not produce a decent picture no matter what I tried. So I'm at the point where my next phone, I really like a usable camera, so this uh, interests me a lot. Did you see the picture of the moth I took on Google Plus? That was with the I Galaxy did. Nexus. I, I thought that wow. came out really well. I, I never seen a moth like that. I was like, whoa. Looks like a giraffe. <laughs> So, uh, let's let Eric pick. I feel like Eric always contributes massive amounts of amazing content to the show doc, and then we never get to it. So, Eric, tonight, I want Aww. you to pick what we talk about. Oh, cool. Um, why don't we talk about the, the modded Galaxy Note? That's pretty nerdy. Oh, yeah, that was Did pretty cool. Did you guys cool. see that? So, is <laughs> this... Uh, explain, explain to everybody what it is, and then I have a couple of questions for you. So... Basically, this this guy on XDA decided that his Galaxy Note did not have enough storage and did not have enough battery life. So he decided to fix that. Um, he ordered he ordered a um, and I didn't know they made these. He ordered a generic uh, like back cover to his Note, um, which has like a a bump where the battery goes um, and. That's to uh, you know to accommodate a <clears throat> excuse me a much bigger battery that he ordered, so you know that part whatever that it's cool but that's not the coolest part. What he then did was he ordered a little um, it looked like it was a ribbon cable that on one end had um, a micro SD uh, uh, adapter. Um, and then on the other end, it it had an SD uh, slot, so you could you could pop in you know basically an SD card and use it 
uh, with the phone. Um, so he ordered one of these, and he also ordered a $1,000, 256 gigabyte Class 10 SD card and put that into his phone as well. So this guy now has a Galaxy Note, or yeah, a, a Note 2 with 288 total gigabytes of storage and an 8,500 milliamp battery. It's it's like a tank or a small bomb just sitting in his <laughs> pants when he walks around. And an you expensive one, too, because... A thousand dollars just for the SD card. So put that into into comparison. What what does the Note Two come with? Because the extended battery for the GNX is twenty one hundred milliamps. So this is eighty. Say that again. Eighty eight. This is eighty five hundred. Eighty five hundred. Okay. So what's the Note Two come with though? Because it's a way bigger device than the GNX. Uh, it. Do we know? Do we need I'm to, to think it's, it's less the than it's, it's less than sixty five hundred milliamps because it sounds like the um, or it might be sixty five hundred milliamps. It's like a little over three thousand milliamps for the Note Two, the default battery. Okay, huh. so that's like wow, that that is quite a bit. I wonder what. Okay, so like thirty one hundred milliamps. So yeah, and then I guess wow. like I'm reading through the forums, maybe maybe like the the typical extended battery is sixty five hundred milliamps. Oh yeah, and that's, that's he still ended quite up getting an eighty five hundred milliamp. So, so what is this, this thing? Is pretty outstanding. What does this thing weigh now? With that, I wonder, because those batteries are massive. I don't know, but it it's surprising, like that that he was able to do this. And if you look at the pictures too, um, <clears throat> if you had this phone, you'd have to be very careful because, like, around the camera sensor um, or the the actual camera lens, um, which is near where the SD card uh, is sitting, um, it doesn't sit flush to the the out the outer case doesn't sit flush to the body of the phone. So there's a big gap where you know dust, water, anything could just like go right into it. Yeah, I'm looking at that now. That's pretty uh, terrible looking, but <laughs> it is a tank. It looks like it has cancer. Like, literally, it's got this... <laughs> it's got a bulge. Someone tried to charge it in the microwave, apparently. But, you know, what I thought the most surprising thing, and I was trying to read through to see if it was actually confirmed, is I was surprised that the, you know, that the operating system saw an SD card that big. Um, because typically, like, when we're reading this stuff, it seems to... Like when when you're reading about a phone, like it'll say it supports micro SD up to 64 gigs. So, right. is that a is that an actual like software limitation or is it? I like how is this thing seeing 256 gigabytes on an SD card through an adapter? That, that is that's what I was trying to figure I, out. I've, I've run into a lot of situations over the over the decades as a technician where. A notebook or something is rated, or a PC is rated for like X amount of RAM or storage, and you can actually uh, put a, lo- a lot more in it. Like my uh, Chromebook, for example, the little $200 Chromebook is rated for only 4 gigs of, of maximum uh, RAM, but it'll actually do up to 16 gigs. The motherboard and, and chipset simply have. But is the OS like using any more than the initial? Four, like is on there the a Chromebook, benefit? it can because even though it's a 32-bit operating system, it uses a PAE kernel, a physical address extension kernel, oh, okay. so it allows it to see more RAM, even though it's a without being 64-bit, right? Yeah, correct. And so, 
just an aside, how much does this cost? Over a grand? Uh, total cost um, is it would be. I mean, if you're if you're buying everything at um, you know about what it what it typically costs not on sale, it'd be like what like six six hundred for an unlocked note or six or seven hundred, and then a thousand for the SD card. So right there, you're at like seventeen hundred. Um, somebody, somebody in the, in the actual forum posted, I just calculated the cost in dollars and it comes out to $3,261 if you have a 10% tax without tax, it's only $2,900. Well, and the initial, I mean, the majority of the cost is this 265 or excuse me, 256 gig SD, like that's $999 and 99 (laughs) cents. That's, that's more than the note too. I mean that's but the I mean the battery too is probably expensive. So, right. A big, and someone fat else like that? someone else also mentioned in the in the thread there. We'll we'll put a link to it in the show notes, but they said that there's also a 9300 milliamp battery from Zero Lemon. Zero oh, well, Lemon. jeez. What a How loser. Hot? He couldn't even opt for the 93. He probably spent all his money on the SD card. Well, right? That's I had to skimp on the <laughs> on the rest. If that's it's one of those phones you go to like a conference like for 3 days and you you never connect to anything. Yeah, you charge it. You never. Wow, that's crazy. That is totally DefCon. Fun. This this is a phone that like if if I did this to the phone, the only justification that I could come up with would be to um to run Ubuntu on it, like put an actual computer operating system on it that I could switch to, and use it as my computer. Hmm. Um, there is no, <laughs> I can't think of any justification what to if do this unless you're like. What if you're hiking out in the woods and you're taking a bunch of pictures for a long time and you need the okay, storage? Okay, unless you're shooting your documentary out in the woods in 1080p. Your life I documentary? <laughs> uh, this is my unless life. Unless you're Tom Hanks on the island. On the Note need- 2. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, How- I mean, I think realistically, if you just had a 64-gig phone and then a 64-gig SD card and just an extended battery, that would be like one-eighth the cost. Wow, Nick, you cracked it. Why don't you email yeah. Motorola <laughs> and tell them what we want? That's right. I have, a, my custom. <laughs> I have a question. If if the milliamp increase is is a lot like this, do you notice a temperature increase also? Like, the, does that thing get really hot, or does that not make a difference in, in temperature? I don't think it would matter as far as temperature. I don't think it would heat up significantly. I wouldn't think so either because you're still pulling the same amount of power. Right. It's Uh, just more stored. It's just potential. Right, right. Good deal. So what else, Eric? Uh, Do you want to talk about – well, how about first a a quick uh, public service announcement for people that are on Sprint? Oh, please. This is good. So if you're on Sprint and you want to get out of your contract, now is the time to do it. It's one of those magical times where Sprint has changed their terms of service. I think it's called um, a loophole. It's called called a a material change. It's called a loophole, Eric. Yeah, well, you know what? Loopholes are fine, too. So if... Basically, uh, if you if you go over to the article on Android Authority, um, they lay out exactly what changed, and it has to do with um, it's. I I was reading through it. It it didn't fully make sense. Is um, it confusing? It has to do with WiMAX and LTE. It says Sprint is buying Clearwire and merging with SoftBank. Is that? No, that's not it. Okay, that's not in the terms of service. Next sentence. 
No, that, that like sets the stage. I read part of the article and it's it's pretty convoluted, but yeah. Yeah, it has to do out. with all this stuff. So, uh, bottom line, if you if you don't want to be in your sprint contract anymore, call them, say, "Hey, you changed the ser- terms of service. I want out," and then just stick to your guns, and they'll let you out. Of Hold your on, though. Yeah. Isn't in the terms of service? Doesn't it say that we are allowed to change the terms of service at any time, and you, as the user, can't do a damn thing about it? No, it it actually says if if it a should. change we make to the agreement is material and has a material adverse effect oh. on services under your term commitment, mm-hmm. you may terminate each line of service materially adversely affected without mm-hmm. incurring an ETF. Well, that's nice. So you just have to do it within 30 days of the change. Ah. And so they, that's why you have until the end of the month. And they weren't planning on Android Authority picking up on that and blasting it out all over the internet. <laughs> Good deal. I don't know. It always happens. It this happened, you know. I think this happened with Sprint or maybe Verizon a couple years ago, and I think Groovy Post wrote about it. So oh, nice. it's it's a thing. And if you, you know, if you're somebody that's really looking to get out of your contract, you're probably, you know, have a Google News alert set up on this. <laughs> like, get on it right now. Uh huh. Good to know. What yeah. else? So how about the Skyfire story, which I think you know a little bit more oh, about man. than I do. I remember I just I remember Skyfire being on the original droid back in the day and it was the way that you could view flash content without actually having cuz like on the on the OG droid and and uh, old versions of Android you couldn't really there was this was before there was the flash APK, right? So you had to I don't know, use these extensions of sorts. And Skyfire was a browser that, that let you let you do that. Uh, Opera owns it now, and apparently, you remember, they, they make a mention of uh, Carrier IQ, <laughs> if that kind of hints you off on uh, what direction this is going. But, uh, yeah, it says if you've purchased a phone from Sprint or AT&T in the last few months, the chances are high that you have a version of Skyfire Horizon on the device uh, and you may have noticed it when you launched the default browser on the phone. Uh, Sprint calls it Lumen Toolbar. You know anything with toolbar in it, like Ad Saver Toolbar? <laughs> Probably not good for your computer. Holds same mm-hmm. with uh, with cell phones. Any anything with toolbar in it, just kind of stay away from. So, uh, yeah, wow. it just. What's I, I like the uh, the at the end of the article, <laughs> there are some updates uh, because the guy Jay Hinman from Skyfire uh, kind of puts his rebuttals here. Um, so let's just you want to say number one, he says the platform does not collect location data uh, of any kind, nor clickstream URL data of any kind. We only collect and anonymize general usage of the toolbar in order to make it better. Which buttons are clicked, which extensions are popular, how buttons are ordered, etc. Uh, if we or an operator think an extension is going to be popular and it isn't, this is how we know to deprioritize or remove it. Would you like me to read the reply? Would you? Would you please? Sure. So, you can't have it both ways. You either don't collect location data or you collect which buttons are clicked since several of your buttons shared to social networks where location is enabled. And it very clearly uses tools made specifically for Skyfire Horizon to publish the share. 
it uh, may be the operator collecting that information through another medium, but it starts at the toolbar. We can actually have it both ways. So, uh, Number two, every user's Skyfire Horizon does not magically reappear in your browser in the next software update. That would be immoral and, as you indicate, quite slimy. We're happy that your testing confirmed this. And this is going back in the article he wrote about how uh, if you disable these features and then uh, if there's an update or whatever, or what was it, if you reboot your phone, I think, uh, they came back up re-enabled, which is kind of shady. But Yeah, and his response is, there is a pop-up the first time you use the browser. However, <laughs> you have to enter the terms of service to even see this guy fire is what you're opting out of. No one does this, just like no one opts out later on. That's a fair thing. I, yeah. Terms of service, I mean, that's a whole other, you know, discussion. But, you know, it, it might be it, – it is a fair point if if it truly is not uh, evident what you're opting out of. Are folks really going to do it? And how would they – you know, are they savvy enough to scroll through it? Because this is going on every Sprint phone and every AT&T phone. Uh. Nick, have you had run-in with this at all? Do you – I, I never have. I was okay. unaware of this actually until until this story came out. Uh, let's see. He says the number four. The platform has zero ability to insert a pop up ad during your normal mobile web activity. Only when a user engages with the toolbar can an operator choose to insert a banner ad, which is targeted or untargeted, uh, based on the permissions the user has given above said toolbar. Some operators choose not to do this at all. For others, it's an option that can be used. The response, it's just one sentence. This is some pretty spectacular hair splitting. <laughs> right? Well, I mean, technically, pedantically. <laughs> well, what what amazed me when I was reading through, like, this this story and the rebuttals and things like that is the – it seems like the person at Skyfire was just, you know, throwing his hands up saying – Listen, it's we just we give options. We're just here. We give we give them options. If they choose to put pop ups and everything, that's right, their right. business. And it's between you and them. It's not us. We just when, made all of the nuclear warheads and then made you this red button to push. But hey, we didn't. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's it, they're the pushers. They're they're putting it out there and and then they're blaming then they're they're blaming the carriers for when they use it for evil. So and. and it, what's the? I think it was like number five or, or something like that. Yeah, um, about the third it was, parties. It was talking about privacy settings, maybe. Uh, mm. Number five is when a Horizon app extension like Facebook, Yelp, or Twitter asks you for location or login credentials when you're using them from the toolbar. This is no different than those same apps asking you the same questions anywhere else on the web, mobile, or otherwise. You agree to this through your own personal privacy settings with those apps or not, and it has nothing to do with Skyfire Horizon whatsoever. Yeah, and and then the response. All this amounts to is, quote, we can't be held responsible for our customers and the extensions they make for our platform, <laughs> end quote. Right. Which they, he said Carrier IQ gave the same answer. Exactly. It's still Skyfire being used to initiate the share. Number six. And- uh, consumers yeah. can easily add, delete, and re-add extensions buttons to their heart's content. Uh, if they hate social or app recommendation stuff and only want extensions related to tech blogs, they're free to add, delete, or reorder their toolbar accordingly. Uh, operators can also add new buttons to the growing list of extensions for you to choose from. You, the consumer, are free to ignore those extensions or to delete them from your toolbar if they're part of the default out-of-the-box experience. 
That's a very far cry from how you categorized it. Uh, he says, perhaps this alters your characterization of our platform as evil. Mm-hmm. Perhaps not. Skyfire Horizon was built out of many years of running a very popular consumer web browser, and a terrific customer experience is paramount for us. As I said, we fail miserably in our platform is simple uh, is simply evil spyware designed to load up your smartphone with ads. Thankfully, that's nowhere near the truth. Yeah, the the response to this, and I'm going to add a little bit to it. It says, you, the customer, are free to ignore the extensions that the carrier will insert into your browser <laughs> right. at will through our platform. Technological awesome. pedantics. It's fine. <laughs> and I guess really I this, is, is with the this is the main crux of the issue. This. Wait, what, Nick? I guess the the real issue, or at least to me at least, is would the user be able to uninstall it? Right, and how much of it feature. and how much of it lingers behind still sending signals back to whichever third parties are in with it? Well, I think the the main problem that I have is what gives Skyfire, what gives Sprint the right to install stuff on my phone on the fly at will. They basically have remote access to my phone, and God knows, like what, you know, if that system gets compromised, uh, or if you know, you know, if they're if somebody hacks Sprint Wait. and is able to insert code into this system and blast it out to like every phone, installing stuff on people's phones, what gives them the right? They're the carrier. I they shouldn't be able to just install ads and crap on the fly. Eric, are you saying a man in the middle in the middle attack? <laughs> It's like a man. Yes, exactly. What would that be characterized as? Wow. A man on both sides. Man on the a man deeply the in the middle. M I T M I T M attack. Minimum. <laughs> Minimum. So it's I like I just I find it annoying that this was he the CEO? Who is this guy that decided to open his mouth? Uh, just Jay Hinman. Jay Hinman. Just from Jay. Skyfire. Yeah. Jay, you're a dick. Because you think that this is okay, it's not okay. Pe- but is this it, whole like you know, is it, it you can you can ignore the stuff we're putting on your phone. <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> is it okay because you chose to install their browser? And that's you chose. Do to you trust? How much do you trust the developers that are making these apps that you're putting on the device? That's what it comes down to, right? I, yeah, well, yeah, it does, but I, I think I would trust them a lot more if they weren't so shady about their terms of service, oh, you, if it wasn't pre-installed. Do you know who Jay... it's pre-installed, not pre-activated. Jay Heidman is head of marketing at Skyfire. Wow, Jay, get a new job. A marketing... Because... <laughs> Sweet Jesus, I haven't heard Skyfire in a long time, and the first story I hear about right. Skyfire is them doing shady is stuff. Is relating it to Carrier IQ, like, oh, shit. That's yeah, terrible. No, you, you may be doing something wrong. Yeah. I don't know. Marketing leader in Silicon Valley with a distinct mobile bias and links to share. I got links to share. They're all over your browser right now, and you can't stop opening them. Oh, Jay. We'll put a link to his just, Twitter that, on that, our show notes here for you. That irritated me. No, I hear just you. Got in my crawl. And I guess we should just kind of read a little bit from the original article that started those two uh, or those six back and forth points. Uh, he says basically, if you've purchased a phone from Sprint or AT and T in the last few months, the chances are, and we we said that at the beginning. So it's those two carriers. 
Uh, he says it's a, a toolbar at the bottom of the browser that includes a handful of helpful tools. You can share whatever page you are on with your social network of choice or use the Wikipedia extension to quickly look up words without leaving the page you're on. Uh, it's the first mobile browser toolbar to attempt browser extensions that are similar to Chrome and Firefox, or so they claim. If you head to the Skyfire Horizon website, you'll see that they use a lot of pretty words to describe a service that hides really slimy practices behind the thin veil of add-on features. Uh, the first thing you need to be aware of is with Skyfire Horizon is that everything you do while the toolbar is active is recorded. Your browsing habits, location data are big things they're interested in, and as long as you use the browser and allow your location to be shared with the browser, that information is theirs to use. And then is all of the extensions that are built in, and that's where all of these operators can come in and push advertising. So it just sounds like malware now. It's gone from a cool third-party browser, or I guess it was only cool because there wasn't very many back then. Now there's like over 50 to choose from. I mean, anything from Firefox to some of the more obscure ones. I, I wrote a whole piece about all the different browsers a long time ago. There's, I can't even think of a name, Maxithon and... Um, <laughs> Maxthon? Yeah, do you remember that yeah, one? I, yeah. I don't even think that's around yeah. anymore. No, it's around. Yeah, it's, I thought they it's shut available down. on other platforms too, yeah. Yeah, they might have. Like Maybe it was Rock Melt or something shut down. <laughs> I'm looking for it now because yeah. there's like a I bunch feel like of... they burned up all their goodwill though. Because they, they really did. They had quite a bit of goodwill um, when when Flash got pulled from iOS and when – because they, they're also on iOS. And I remember when I was working for J.P. Morgan, one of my friends had an iPhone and he was you – know, we, we, were, we were pretty good friends and he was, um, he was the big Apple guy. I was the big you know, web OS or Android guy depending on when. Um, and I remember he was I, – because I had heard of Skyfire but I didn't realize that it had the ability to play Flash files or like play YouTube and stuff. Um, so that's where I first like actually saw it in action, um, and I feel like they took all that goodwill and they, you know, flushed it down the toilet for something that probably made them a lot of money with AT and T and Sprint. You think so, though that much worth that much? I mean, then again, I guess do people still use that? Because there are much much better browsers out there now than than Skyfire. I mean, Opera. But this is, is this is pre-installed. And well, that's the actually, thing. Like, they weren't making you, money off of Skyfire, but they're probably making money off this deal, probably quite a bit, especially depending on how big or small their team is. I'm looking so I back, think they just cashed out. I'm looking back to this browser review I wrote. It was from May 2012, and Skyfire 4 is in there, and I gave it a 4 out of 10. And I guess this was oh. back when it didn't support add-ons, because under add-ons I have no. Um, but yeah, it did do Flash, did do HTML5. So. And Max oh, yeah. <laughs> And Sleep Near. All right. Uh, what else? Sonic 4 coming to the Ouya? At least episodes 1 and 2 for now? Came to the Ouya. Is it I was on? Playing it last night. Is it on the Ouya? Are you playing it without controller lag? <laughs> well, it, mm, no. I don't know if it's in my head or like if I just if I'm just not good at these games anymore. Or if it's controller <laughs> lag, something this is felt harder a than off. I remember. God, it's person lag. <laughs> it's placebo it's, it's lag. lag. It's because you're old now. Oh, shit. Well, <laughs> it, this was. I, I thought it was fun. It it seems to because I, I played these on the on the phone um, or the tablet like last year, 
it was okay. But these um, are games that were made for controllers, so you would think that console experience would be, at, if not as good, at least. I think it's I think it's nearly as good, and it's been years since I played the Genesis version, so take sure. this with a grain of salt. I think it's nearly as good as the Genesis version. Playing it on a TV with a controller versus playing it on the phone um, makes a huge difference. Six ninety nine per episode, one and two right now. That's what's sort of irritating because I I looked in the Google Play Store. That's like it's two ninety nine. Or at least episode one is two ninety nine, so they jacked up the price for being on Ouya. So it's like, okay, well that's sort of not cool, especially if I bought if I already bought it on the Google Play Store. Um, yeah, it should transfer and, over, but it doesn't because it's not the Google Play Store. No, but but you know, it's it's possible that it's a different APK or that they modified it to work differently on a tv i'm not sure. sure they definitely modified it to have a trial is it so, bigger did you notice the the apk size offhand i didn't look okay. uh, i did it right before bed last I'd night i'd be curious um, if it was larger due to the bigger screen size support and everything more uh, high resolution could, graphics and everything well and the the way that it works which i don't i don't recall the um I don't recall the one on Android working this way, is that um, because everything in the UIA store has to be free to download, um, the, the, way that they, the way they make this work is that you get like the first one or two levels for free, and then you can choose to unlock the full game. In-app through an purchase, in-app purchase style, right? Yeah. Um, it, so I, you- like, this really started to make sense to me, this whole in-app purchase, everything's free strategy, because I looked at this and said, do I really want to spend $7 on Sonic? And when I played a couple levels, <laughs> right. I'm like, maybe. Maybe I do. Marble Madness, yeah, I, I would play that. Now, let me ask you, is this, if, if you used to be like, let's say Sega, for instance, they, they develop games now, uh, selling a one-time, here's Sonic the Hedgehog for, uh, Part 3, here's the whole game, 40, 50 bucks, or what, however much it was back in the day on the Genesis, is it is it worth is it better as a business model to sell each episode individually at two ninety nine a pop and uh, count on all of those numbers using mobile devices to get it and then buying each episode? Like, do you think you make more doing that as opposed to selling the one time fifty dollar game and then you're done because the game is it has everything in it? I think you know, it remains to be seen. That's the big question in the gaming industry right now. And go ahead, Nick. I was going to say, they could always try to compromise and do both. Hey, we have this option or we have that option. Right, or they could do what the Final Fantasy game does and just charge 20 bucks for one. Yeah. <laughs> what, Eric? No, that I, I agree. Like they, they could do both, and I think that all these companies are experimenting with both. Right. Um, which, I didn't, as a consumer, I'm not a big fan of it. I, I am not the kind of person that wants to buy things piecemeal. I think the whole microtransaction free-to-play um, phenomenon that's happened in the past, like, five years sucks. It made games more... I would rather more just agree. pay 40 bucks and have a game. It made games way more annoying, right? Like Dead Trigger, if you're... They're like, every time it, there's a sale, but you need gold, but you need to pay for this to get this gun. It's like, just let me buy the game, and it's if I like find the gun in the game... In the game. Yeah, it's, it's annoying. It, and there's a there's a really good podcast out there called Weekend Confirmed, 
Um, if you if you know folks are interested in sort of like the video game industry and how it sort of works under the under the hood, um, and one of the one of the guys that's on that podcast uh, is um, I be- he so he used to run a different podcast. I believe he's still technically a journalist and he does some writing, but he also um, is involved with a small startup that creates uh, creates games for mobile, and so there's. There's been quite a few episodes where it was just a lot of debate about this whole um, microtransaction, free-to-play uh, phenomenon. Um, and one of the points that was made was that perhaps it's not a bad thing, but we just haven't seen it implemented in a way that is consumer-friendly and that makes sense for everybody, where everybody wins. Um, but I, I don't know. this. It, it is not there yet. So... This this strategy is not my it's not my favorite thing. I, yeah. That's why I would rather pay the money and just get Final Fantasy three instead of paying, you know, six right. times to get the full game. Yeah, I think what doesn't work is that a lot of times you get essentially pop ups or reminders all the time. Hey, you can do this, you can do that, and it just makes the experience not worthwhile. Well, and that so used that to has... be bad, but with Jellybean you can pick which apps can show you notifications. So things like. Frontline Commando is still a fun game, but it's mad. it has too many notifications, so you just turn them off, and, and that's fine. But, yeah, I would rather have a two ninety nine version I could just buy and not have those annoying notifications, definitely. Well, and all the time-gating stuff, too, is annoying. Yeah. Like, when you can't really... When it, takes, when it would take you 600 hours to, to complete a game or get the full, you know, experience from a game... Uh, like that's that's stupid. Like it shouldn't even if it's free to play. Six hundred hours without spending any money just to get like the full experience of the game is ridiculous. And I have not seen one company create a game that is compelling enough to even make me want to do that. So then it's just a waste of my time. Is it ridiculous though, or is it keeping your attention, keeping the game in your mind for longer? Six hundred hours is a long damn time to play any game. Six hundred hours is a long damn time to do anything. I feel like nobody's figured out how to hook people into the 600-hour experience. (laughs) I feel like I've been so. So then you just like you play some half-assed game for a couple weeks, and then you get no you get no real satisfaction out of it, so you quit. But if you that's not good for the game industry. Well, yeah. But if you weren't getting satisfaction out of it, you're not going to like keep playing it day after day, being like, "Today's the day I'm going to get satisfaction from this stupid game." Today's the day. This is the level. This is it. The cool thing is you get 600 hours of gameplay for free. That's a feature. I'll get, that's a damn feature. Yeah, 600 hours of gameplay for free where 500 of it is sitting around waiting or grinding. <laughs> and what That's they, not great. What they, what that's they, poor game design. <laughs> and what they don't tell you is that during those 600 hours, the camera is like analyzing your facial features and expressions and sending that to the government, identifying yourself. Via Skyfire. Via Skyfire. (laughs) Via third-party plugins. Weird. You can can choose to opt out of it. It's no problem. That's fine. You just have to find it. (laughs) It's a Where's Wado puzzle. Good luck. Jerk off. Uh, We should talk about this Android bug affecting 99% of devices. Uh, So they say uh, it has to do with the archive. They say uh, on Android Authority here that... uh, the most widely distributed versions of Android rely on a flawed archive, zip, jar, or uh, an APK. 
uh, in Android verification mechanism that allows potentially harmful code to avoid detection. Uh, when examining an application signature, Android checks files in a particular order, so it's possible then to trick the operating system by including a modified file before the original. When Android goes to verify the archive, it sees the original, unmodified file with a valid signature and allows malicious files to then install and execute. Oops. <laughs> this is fixed. Mm-hmm. Google fixed it, but good luck getting your carriers to push that update out anytime soon. Unless you're on, like, CyanogenMod Nightlies, I think. Isn't it fixed in the Nightlies, just not in the, the stable? Yeah, the... Condic committed a patch to right. um, to the CyanogenMod project, so it should be it should be patched in CM if you're running a night. And they say the Galaxy S4 also received a fix, uh, and it, Google, yeah, is working on an update for the Nexus devices. So, and well, this, I mean, we should point out that this is not this is not affecting apps that you get from the Play Store. Right, this it's is only if, a big if deal if you're in countries that are using all of these third-party stores. If that's the case, go back, like, I don't know, 60 episodes in AOTA and find my app pick Market Enabler. (laughs) Just trick your phone into thinking it's a T-Mobile phone in the U.S. Problem solved. And then go back, I don't know, probably another 50 episodes where I first predicted the Android botnet... (laughs) And when nobody does what you told them to do, um, pet psychic. Just saying. Have fun. Floating. I float because I'm a pet psychic. So, yeah. I like the headlines are all like, oh, my God, you're all infected. Better just get a feature phone. (laughs) Well, the the annoying thing to me, and it it could be just, honestly, there may be a bias here because – I love Android, and we do an Android show. Um, but I, I feel like I can be critical of Android when I need to be. And no, yeah, because I, I would definitely be mad if I was worried that my device was exploitable because I use this device. You know, it's no good for us to lie and be like, oh yeah, no, it's bulletproof. Come and try and hack well, it. I mean, I've been using Windows for twenty years. And <laughs> That's just, a terrible example, Nick. Windows yeah. is a terrible example. Well, the the impression that I that I was getting from all the headlines, and it could be my interpretation, is Android bug. You know, like it made it sound like ninety nine percent of devices were were infected. We're already phoning back to the Zeus command control center, right? Yeah, yeah that's yeah, totally exactly. not. Yeah, not happening. Yeah, it's it's just that there is, there is a security flaw. It's something that happens, and it's um, been fixed. So if your carrier hasn't pushed it out, you should write a letter to them and ask them WTF, <laughs> or get a Nexus device, and then you'll get the updates like as quickly as they come out, or Problem just flash uh, CM. Oh, you want to? I'll give you an update. Uh, last episode, I mentioned I had to send my old GeneX back, and I got a I got a new shiny new GeneX that doesn't have scratches on it. So nice. Uh, but yeah, I use that tool that you mentioned to relock, reflash, uh, unroot, right? Unroot, relock, and then reflash whatever the stock Verizon ROM. And actually, I did them a favor and I put 422 on there. Just, oh, nice. I was like, you know, here. Uh, I'll say flashing or, un- excuse me, unrooting and relocking, all that stuff was much easier. 
than on my new one, rooting it and unlocking it and all that. Couple boot loops, this and that. But hey, oh, I'm a trooper. I'm a trooper. I stuck with it. Only took me, you know, a couple hours. It's fine. But I'll say, I don't know if it's because it's a new device, it's refurbished or whatever, or if my old one was burned out somehow. But this seems a lot faster. Maybe it's a fresh install of CM Stable without having had started back on the M's and then doing the stables and then doing the the RCs and, and all that. So just having CM10 stable put on a clean device. But it seems much faster, so I'm kind of happy with it again. But yeah, that tool, I and there's a link to it in the show notes last episode, and we'll, we'll mention it again. Uh, it works really, really awesome for that. So definitely a good find. Always, always support uh, good developers, and Mark Skippen... Is he's probably not listening. That's okay. He's a good developer. He puts out these toolkits for a ton of phones. So if you if you have one of these phones and you use the toolkit, throw him you know ten bucks, buy him a beer, get the get like the pro or the you know whatever version, and you'll you'll get updates faster and you'll be supporting a guy who puts out great software. Yeah, you definitely always want to support guys who put out good software. Don't Thank laugh. You I'm serious. You you always. Because seriously, like that would have sucked to have to have figured out how to do all that command by command through the command line. Like, no way. That's give me a toolkit that I can just tell it to do things, and that it it was really awesome and it saved me. And, and no hunting down like super user files. Yeah, or, no, it was all there. Um, and I I downloaded. Yeah, I downloaded the latest CM, threw it in the folder, and it was like, oh, is this what you want to flash? Type yes. And I was like, yes, enter. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely uh, good stuff, so we appreciate that. Uh, before we do app picks, you want to mention the Moga Pro Controller, 50 bucks. That's kind of cool. Something yeah. for your phone, turns your phone or tablet into a gaming console of sorts. Kind of like the uh, other ones we've seen that we've talked about on the show. This is the poor man's NVIDIA Shield. Yeah, kind of, right? Bring your own device. It's the BYOD Shield. Yeah, well, I found this. I, I had heard of this before, but I I never looked it up. But I found it um, mainly by going to the um, the other article I posted about um, the PlayStation emulator uh, EPSXE oh, yeah. um, for Android was just updated to support these Moga controllers. Oh, nice! So, so I'm like, can... I'm looking at this, saying this is pretty cool. I might have to go on eBay and see if somebody's like selling theirs for ten bucks because I. It, you know, this this looks like a neat way to play emulators, does if the, I allegedly did so. Does the game specifically have to support the MOGA controller itself, or can it map keys? Like, can can you do it on any game that allows you to map keys? It, I'm not sure. It could be that they, that they just, you know, created templates specifically for the MOGA controller, so it's like plug-and-play. Right, so the, the keys are auto-mapped in essence, but if maybe it does play Right, pure-and-play. Makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, it's 50 bucks, which seems a little steep to me for a controller. Um, but, hey, the OUYA controllers are 50 bucks, and a PlayStation 3 controller is 50 bucks. So why can't MOGA get their, you know, get their money? Why can't they get theirs? I mean, if everyone awesome. else is wasting money on these crappy plastic controllers, we're going to get ours, too. I know. But that's cool. I like the idea of a controller that you can plug in your, your device to. 
that almost makes more sense than me buying a whole separate device that's specifically attached to a controller made for gaming. I'd rather have the option to be able to pop my tablet out and use it as a tablet and then pop it into a controller and uh, game on with it. So, all right, uh, at picks, episode 89. Eric, start us off, please. Sure. Um, I found this uh, app. It's called Android System Pro. And it's it's sort of like a it's sort of a utility app. Like you can use it to get information to run benchmarks, um, things like that. Uh, but there were also a couple of neat tweaks. Um, so, side note: when you open it up, it it has like a, like a main like home screen, and it says swipe. Swipe does not do anything. Go up to the corner and tap the little Android. That'll open up the menu. Um, the it has like a couple of different tools like it has um a file explorer built in an anonymous browser uh, it has a um a logcat viewer so you can like look at your logs um which is kind of nice you don't have to install like three different things you can just use one app um the thing i've used is the font installer so you can you can tap font installer and you can install like um it looks like 10 or so different fonts um into your phone and it replaces the Roboto uh, font that's used for everything. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of neat. There's a few other uh, like system specific tweets. Like, uh, there is a system optimization um, section that uh, that has like um, different things, like increase the Wi-Fi scan interval to save battery life. Um, you can force rendering with the GPU. Uh, you, if you have a Qualcomm processor, they have an option to uh, fine-tune your Qualcomm processor. So there's there's a whole bunch of different little things you can do with it. Um, there is a free version, which has most of the features, um, but the full version is on sale right now, and I think it's it's some weird price, like $1.94 or something. Um, so check it out. It's it's kind of it's kind of neat, and it's it gives non-geeky people an easy way to do things like install fonts and customize their phone. Does this require root? It certainly does, because nothing <laughs> good nothing doesn't good. require root. I love the uh, the over-excited affirmativeness of that. It so what? certainly does, sir. <laughs> Absolutely. Indubitably. You couldn't do anything useful without it. That's why Verizon charges you $500 to do it. Oh, Verizon, when will you learn? Uh, yeah. All right, good app I paid pick. $500 for this font. Right? <laughs> You'll love it. Trust. And it gives you ads through this browser. It's called Skyfire. All right, uh, Nick, give us an app pick, please. Okay. I had one planned out, but I could never get it to work, but I'm going to tell you about it anyways. <laughs> Oh, but I want you great all great to pick. try to, to get it working on your devices, right? Actually, I want to see if anyone can make this work, but it's called Blueboard, and it's an app you install on your Android device, and you could basically make like a tablet or smartphone work with like your Ouya as the keyboard for it. And uh, I couldn't get it to connect at all on my Nexus 7. Um, I was able to get it to connect a few times on my Atrix 2, but I could never actually get it to work, even though it said it connected. So it's a work in progress. I don't know who who can actually uh, use it, but uh, I'm very interested in uh, using my Nexus 7 as a keyboard 
as opposed to uh, this here. Although I can use this, use a little USB adapter or Bluetooth adapter, use this keyboard. I like to use my Nexus 7 when I'm playing, but can't I get do that. I do that with the with my desktop using Gmote. It kind of sounds like the same thing. It gives you a keyboard and a touchpad, and then, <clears throat> but this is doing it to your device, to your tablet. To other devices, and in this case, an OUYA, which is what I'm right, trying to Right, okay. But at. it's only but it's, Android. It's, it's not controlling PC stuff using Java or anything. No. What they're trying to do is get it to control more than the keyboard. They want to get it to where you can actually control the mouse as well, but apparently they're, right. they're not able to get approval through OUYA to get that to work. So they're settling for keyboard access. So you can also, there's a game mode that allows you to, you can use this as a controller. So that is supposed to be uh, working as well. Well, but cool. uh, I can't get it to work. So I'm highly interested in this. I just wish it worked. I wonder if it's uh, there's there's an app called BT Controller by a mm-hmm. dude named Droid Bean, uh, and that will turn your phone into a controller for your tablet and stuff. And it does take kind of some messing with. His is actually pretty smooth, but I would imagine for w- what you're talking about, yeah, you would you probably need to just mess with a bunch of settings. And pair is it doing it through Bluetooth? Did you say? Yes, it's doing it through Bluetooth. Okay. And on th- on this end, you make sure that you set this... one as the host and one as the so, right. So it's yeah. just is it pairing and it, there's just nowhere to map yeah. keys or what's they the pair? Problem? And yeah, I think that's really what this does is it maps the keys, but that part doesn't work. So but it pairs. I it to pair with my smartphone, but it doesn't do anything. Right. Okay. Huh. Crazy. All right. Uh, oh, I got a, an update. I should mention. Uh, we're always kind of. T- when we talk about podcast players, we talk about beyond pod a lot. That's kind of like our, that's our, or it used to be our favorite. That's still my favorite. Uh, I noticed in the, in the community for AOT, I posted that, that repost uh, from pocket cast and what they said about twit and Jason Howell and all that. Uh, did you see that? I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but you know, Google reader shut down. So if you were using beyond pod, well, uh, Google reader shut down. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that news, right? Shut up, Eric. But in in Beyond Pod, I didn't realize that. I guess by default, it had if you got your feeds. Like I have all my stuff. Used to have it in Google Reader. Now it's in Feedly, obviously. But in all of my feeds, I had one that was specifically for listen subscriptions, and that I just kind of always used for all of my podcasts. And then from there, I would import the shows I was currently listening to, depending on my mood, uh, into the player. So by default there's a box in the settings for the feeds to sync with Google Reader. You could either go into each feed individually and uncheck that box, in which case your shows will con- will begin to update, because mine just stopped updating. Like, all of a sudden, I had three shows left to listen to. I was like, that's kind of weird. There's, like, 30 shows here. What's going on? Uh, and so I, I messed with it. Um, I deleted a bunch, and then I realized, oh, you could uncheck this box. So then I just started over. But what I wanted to mention is that if you get in the beta channel, they have Feedly support, finally. So it's not out for the regular, I, I don't know when it'll be out, but uh, you can go into like the about in, in the app and say, I want to check out the beta. And it actually works really, really well. And there's this other thing called Episode Sync. And I, I'm trying it out. Uh, I have it on my Galaxy Nexus and on my Droid X. And what it'll do is... When I'm listening to a show on my Droid X, wherever I'm at in that show, if I hit pause and then I go to my Galaxy Nexus, it'll find where I left off in that specific episode and pick up from there. So that's kind of cool if you're using multiple devices, 
not having to shuffle through the episode and find where you left off. But it is beta, so it may not work. The Feedly uh, integration, I had to go like four times before it would finally show all my feeds. It kept throwing errors. But I finally I got it to work, and now it works really well. So just so I give an update, uh, my app pick is DNS Changer. I should say when I re-put uh, CM on this GeneX, I didn't install ROM Toolbox. It has a bunch of stuff. It's gotten kind of bloated, and I noticed when I had it on, it was laggy. The only thing I used in it was to change my DNS to Google DNS or OpenDNS. So you have to be rooted. Uh, this is an app that that's all it does. It just changes your DNS. It has a bunch of presets. Pretty cool. Uh, you can tell it always for Wi-Fi or 3G. And uh, yeah, I figure if I'm only using that. I'm not using the overclock or the, the processor. I'm using that in CyanogenMod, so I don't need that. Uh, it's really all ROM Toolbox was giving me that I was using, so... It made more sense to just go with one app than than all that. And it's pretty cool. Eddie Pay, DNS changer, so. Alright. Anything else, gentlemen? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Eric, where can they email us? Well, Matt, they can email us at show and <laughs> at androids.com. And I guess they can leave a message at 406-204-4687. Nick? Good luck on your test, man. Thank you. I'll need it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we know that, Nick. <laughs> no, you'll do fine, I'm sure. Uh, Eric? Matt? It was good doing another show with you. You too. And I'll see you next Tuesday. Thanks for listening, guys. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Attack of the Androids. Attack of the Androids.com.